Hello and welcome to another episode of Accessible Airwaves on CGSW 90.9 FM. This program is dedicated to the education and exploration of disabled life. Giving voice to the life and experience of people with disabilities. We cover a wide array of issues and disabilities. We are people who discuss issues we are passionate about. And topics we are interested in. We show how disability is in the mind of the beholder. This special episode includes interviews by Pads, Dogs with Wings, and Sarah, who has her own personal guide dog. But first, Accessible Airways member Michael interviewed Britt Harrison. She is the founder of Calgary Special Pups. They tap into the special healing companionship of dogs with the unique free socialization classes for children with disabilities. Hello and welcome to another episode of Accessible Airwaves on CJSW 90.9 FM. I am Michael Parker and today I'm interviewing Brittany Harrison, the founder of Calgary Special Pups. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Thanks for having me. So what does the Calgary Special Pups program do? So we are a nonprofit program that provides dog training day camps for children with special needs. Okay, so how did the Calgary Special Pups program get started and what sparked your interest? Well, so I have a little bit of a personal investment with this. Um, Growing up, I had a younger cousin who was diagnosed with autism. And throughout kind of our childhood together, I would just notice how animals would make her want to communicate more, and it made it a little bit easier and less stressful for her to communicate with me. And when I got two dogs of my own, she just lit up and would keep talking about how cute, how soft they were, and just something kind of clicked that, you know, it it made sense. And dogs are so loving. They, They almost, like... I just find there's some kind of connection that they have with individuals with special needs as well that goes above and beyond their regular connection. Um, And yeah, so I had the opportunity through Jumpstart, the Canadian Tire Charity, to open up a pilot program of my own. So with their support, I was able to get Calgary Special Pups rolling, and we partnered with Calgary uh, CP Kids and Families, so Cerebral Palsy Kids and Families, and they got us all situated, and then when it came time for us to spread our wings, we rebranded just as Special Pups Program and just continued our success to this day. I can totally relate with that because I have autism myself, and, you know. So nice. Yeah. So who can participate in the program? So for the program, we basically... We invite all different forms of disabilities. Um, We do have an age limit of 18. However, there's some special cases where uh, the adults are just very passionate and want to participate, and we don't like to turn anyone away. Um, So for the most part, we do have a younger attendance, but we have a couple of adults that like to come back every time as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So can you tell me a little bit about the dogs? Yeah, so our dogs are fantastic. Uh, We partner with a training company called Clever Canines in Calgary. And 
all the dogs that our volunteers have gone through their intensive training program and have gone through some screening. So I trust these dogs 100%. They are fantastic. They are so well behaved and they are just loving and they love what they do and they love coming to special pups. So they, they really make the program. Why is Calgary Special Pups important to you? Uh, it is so important to me because it just, I just love to watch kind of the magic that happens during the day and to be able to pair up these amazing volunteers with their amazing dogs and these amazing kids and create a safe place in Calgary for families to just come, have fun, hopefully learn something, learn some safety or some massage tricks. And it just it's really important for me to bridge that gap in our community. I totally agree. So what is the importance of having a program like this here in Calgary? I would say the importance is making making programs like this more accessible. So, you know, there's plenty of dog training programs out there, but there really isn't anything that caters to the special needs community, and especially with families that are considering having uh, therapy dogs or support dogs, but they're not quite there yet, and they're not quite sure if they're ready to have a dog in their life. It's important to have a program where they can see how their kids react with dogs and well-trained dogs under a controlled setting. So I think it's important for the kids to have fun and not be judged and be in a safe place, as well as the families to see what can happen when they pair up their child with a dog. Yeah, I totally agree with that completely. So obviously volunteering with dogs is a lot of fun, but there's so much more to it. What do volunteers do with Calgary Special Pups? So our main volunteers that we have are the dog handlers, and they are responsible for um, watching the dogs at all times and following along with the curriculum, as well as ensuring that the participant they are paired up with is getting the full benefit of our program. So if we need to tailor something, if, you know, some kids just seem to lose interest, we'll do whatever we can to make sure that that child leaves having a successful and fun day. So the volunteers are there for handling the dogs, but they're also there for just ensuring that each participant has a great time. And then obviously we have our other um, more administrative volunteers, which is basically what I do. And we arrange for all of the registration, our photos, our snacks, our crafts, our games. Uh, So we have a really, really large, awesome group of volunteers. Okay, so is there anything else quite like this in Calgary or did any other program serve as inspiration? No, I haven't. So I haven't found anything that is a nonprofit um, that does this. I know that there are PALS, for example, and that's just with therapy dogs, which is a wonderful program. But there's not anything that I've seen where we go through dog training um, with the kids and where it's completely free. Okay, so how do the kids feel about Calgary Special Pops? Oh, our kids are fantastic. They, they have such a good time. Um, they're always so eager. We have a lot of repeat attendees because they just had such a great time before. And But we do also have some kids that are a little bit unsure of dogs or they may be a little bit afraid of dogs. So for those kids, it's really important for us to make them feel safe. And just baby steps. We've seen some kids 
have some really amazing strides from going from being afraid of dogs to, you know, being able to touch them for the first time. So it may not seem like a lot, but to the parents and the families, they're just overwhelmed by, you know, what we were able to do through this fun program. How would someone volunteer with Calgary Special Pups if they wanted to get involved? So for Calgary Special Pups, if they're interested in volunteering, uh, they can just email me at calgaryspecialpups at gmail.com. And I can either connect them with myself for the front-end volunteers or with our training partners if someone wants to volunteer with their dog. Okay, so have you considered any other animals besides dogs? No, just because, you know, dogs are kind of what we know best uh, at this point. And so special pups is just for pups right now. But I definitely would like to pair up with an equine therapy program and we can do a dog and horse program so that's kind of in my my planning for this summer and hopefully it will work out for this year i totally agree with that so is there anything else that you want the listeners to hear um i think your your questions were fantastic so i think that kind of covers everything but we like i said we are totally open for all disabilities and even if you have questions on whether this would be the right program for you I am more than happy to have a chat about it. And, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So where do people go for more information for Special Pups if they want to join the program? Um, they can go to our website, specialpups.org. Okay. Thank you for listening to CJSW 90.9 FM on Accessible Airways. Thank you for being an audience, Brittany. Thank you so much. Not a problem. That was a phone interview with Britt Harrison, the founder of Special Pups. Next up, we have Sarah Lapp. She is in a wheelchair and a client from PADS. She's talking about her dog that helps her with daily tasks. And also Miranda. Miranda Turn is from PADS Volunteer. They are talking about guide dog etiquette. So my name is Sarah and my dog's name is Rico. Well, my life has changed dramatically really well. I actually got my first dog when I was 20 years old. And the team training that I went through with my first dog, um, team training at PADS is two weeks for a service dog. And through that team training, I found that I gained a lot of confidence to be able to do what I'm doing today in my everyday life. And my current dog, Rico, Um, comes with me and I teach dance classes for people with all abilities in Kelowna, British Columbia. Um, My dance company that I created is All Bodies Dance Project and it is based out of Vancouver and when I moved up to the Okanagan um, I started classes in Kelowna. So Rico's best job in Kelowna is to lie there and watch me teach dance and he loves seeing the people move and his best skill is not getting up and dancing with us. So Rico and the Pads family have really changed my life as far as my confidence. I don't think I would be where I am today without the confidence of the Pads training program and the family that I've come to through Pads. So it's been really nice and then of course he also picks he picks things up for me, opens and closes doors, turns off and on lights gets my phone, he will get my water bottle and take off my jacket as well, 
is, and I don't think I said he'll push automatic buttons. So he's very helpful on a, on a daily basis, and he's also great for companionship. And in September, I'm getting married, and he will be our ring bearer as well. So he comes with lots of different skills and he's an integrated part of my life. So proper service dog etiquette as a client that has a service dog is that when I'm approached by a person, I would like them to um, stop and talk to me and ask me if they can interact with my dog. And the best thing for them to do is to, to help me train my dog or help me keep my dog in a good position is to always um, pet them when they're only in a sit. So if the dog um, gets up, I would ask them to remove the hands and I would get them back into a sit again. The, uh, that's the, the basic stuff about that. The other thing about etiquette is it's just super important to realize that the dog has a job to do and when it, he's distracted, it kind of takes away from what I need him to do. So the best thing to do is just to admire him um, from a from a from afar and ask me any questions or or look up information. Um, the other thing that is super important is as a certified pads dog, Rico and I have been through a public access test and we've gone through a lot of training and a lot of time to get our certification. And so we have a ID from the government of BC and Alberta that allows us to be able to bring our dog into public. And if you, as the general public, run into somebody who you're not sure um, has a legitimate service dog, um, you can ask them for this ID. And I'll let Miranda just touch a little bit more on that. So... I think definitely what Sarah touched on is that one of the biggest challenges for uh, people who use service dogs to help mitigate their disability is people in the general public who are taking out dogs who have not yet passed a public access test. These are dangerous encounters for our dogs, which could be potentially career-ending, um, and dangerous encounters for people who use service dogs. Um, anything from your dog, you could could pull you out of a chair to your dog could get injured. So it's a real challenge for us as people who are trying to bring awareness to public access and the importance of public access for only for accredited dogs um, because of the amount of work that Sarah does to make sure that her dog is there when she needs him. And it can be very challenging when another dog who is perhaps not as well trained as Sarah's dog or has not gone through the necessary health tests and temperament tests and people just slap on a vest that they get online and they take their dog to the mall with them. That can make access challenges for Sarah because people have had bad experiences with other service, you can't see my finger quotes, service dogs. Um, and it can also set up potentially dangerous situations for our clients. So we definitely encourage if you see a dog and if it's not acting like you would expect a service dog to act, ask some questions, go speak to the security or the business owner and let them know if you can that um, they have the right to remove any dog, included accredited dogs, from any building 
um, and that they also have the right to ask for the dog's government-issued ID. If you want to check out the Alberta Service Dog, webs Service Dog website, you can definitely see how uh, what the ID should look like, but it is government-issued and it will have the client's face, and she will also have ID for her dog as well. So. Um, Look out for those things like barking and scavenging and and kind of general inappropriate behavior and you'll notice because we work really hard and Sarah works really hard on maintaining her dog so that it is never a nuisance to anybody and we would hate for her access to be um, limited or her experience to be kind of uh, undermined because of general public issues and the inappropriate dogs. That was Sarah Lapp and Miranda Turn talking about service dog etiquette. Next up, we have a volunteer from PADS. His name is Mike Egger, and he talks about how he trains the PADS pups. Hi, my name's Mike Edgar. Um, I'm a volunteer with PADS, Pacific Assistance Dog Society. And um, right now I'm training a, or starting to train, um, a new puppy called Sapphire. Um, she's 11 weeks old right now. I would have got her at 12 weeks old, uh, picked her up as a brand new pup. Um, so at this point in her career, we don't actually know what she's going to grow up to be. Um, she could be a PTSD dog, a accredited facilities dog, a polar support dog for someone with mobility issues. Um, so right now what I always tell people is it's like I raise them from kindergarten to grade 12 and then just like your adult children, we like to kick them out at about that age, which is about two years old and that's where they'll go to advanced training and in advanced training is when they narrow it down just like when you go to university you kind of have to decide what you want to be so uh, with the uh, help of an advanced trainer they'll actually decide what she's really good at and then match her with one of the clients on the list that we have of people that are looking for um, a support dog or a service dog so just because you're number one on the list doesn't mean you get the very first dog they try and do a match and make sure that the dog and the the person um, are gelling and getting along well um, and then hopefully live happily ever after and we're lucky enough at pads that sometimes we get a chance to meet the person that gets the dog that you raised so people quite often will ask how do you ever give them away uh, once you've met an individual and they explain to you how having that service dog changed their life from someone who may have never left the house for a long time because they were weren't prepared to do that. Um, they get a service dog, now suddenly they're out in the community participating and doing all the things that they really enjoyed. So it makes a huge difference. You meet that individual and it's almost like we're rushing over to say, where's my next dog? Because this is why I do this. <laughs> when you first get a dog, you probably don't know for a few weeks. I mean, uh, my daughter and myself have been doing it for 11 dogs. So we've been around the PADS organization for about nine years. And what we've found over those years and over the dogs is they almost tell you I guess the first thing they want to tell you is being a service dog is something they want to do because about probably less than 50% of the dogs will be make it to a full service dog and placed with a client half of the dogs won't make it so it's almost like they're telling us you know service dog is nice but as a dog that's not what I want to be when I grow up so half of them will get weeded out by that year and a half because there'll be an issue um, so they won't make it in the other half um, for example probably the easiest example is if you have a lab 
they can be, you know, maybe a 60-pound lab. We know isn't going to be a good pull dog or a support dog for somebody with mobility issues, but an 80 or 90-pound lab, that might be a good fit. So uh, um, inside in this facility anyway, there's the other dog that we're raising is uh, close to 80 pounds, big dog, likes to wear that big harness. So that's open for him. But a 60-pound dog, you would never put a harness on because you know that dog's probably not going to be good and able to support their client all day long if they had a mobility issue or support issue. They really help us decide or point us in the right direction. We just have to have the knowledge to be able to understand what they're pointing us to. Um, and then once they leave me, I'm just sort of the guy who takes them everywhere, does everything, and does all the basic training with them. And then they'll go to advanced training with a, a trainer like Miranda or Heather, and they'll actually fine-tune them and say, okay, this dog is going to be perfect for maybe a dog that works with police service and traumatic police service and things like that. Or this dog maybe is a little bit better with one-on-one, so maybe that's a PTSD dog. So our job is just expose them to everything and, and see how they do. And uh, then we pass them off to the, to the experts and they do the fine tuning. So. so I happen to take, so, so like I tell people, planes, trains, automobiles, everywhere that you go, they can go. And because they're a service dog, they're guaranteed public access. So that's um, in Alberta law anyway. There is a law around service dogs and certified service dogs. So for I take my dog with me to work every day. So I work in an office environment. And uh, he comes with me first thing in the morning and uh, probably gets a little bored at times throughout the day. I spend a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time chatting. So uh, he may have to wait beside my desk for maybe an hour and a half or two hours while I'm chatting on the phone. Um, I usually try and remember after that it's a good idea that it's actually really good for me and my health as well because I get up and take him out for a quick little five minute walk stretch my legs he does his business or what he needs to do if he needs to do it and then we come back in and sort of repeat that process three or four times um, but the nice thing about a service dog is um, they do have the ability to fly at your feet on an aircraft so they don't have to go underneath because they do have public access because of their training. Um, so they get to fly with you, uh, go into every restaurant with you. Most people won't even notice you have a service dog they, unless they actually see you come in or go out. The dog's trained and, and we're constantly training so the dog's trained to go under the table, go into a down and just sit there and then when we leave the restaurant, they leave with us. Um, so there's no barking or things like that. Those behaviors are unacceptable. If the dog started to do anything like that, I'd take the dog out of the situation. So a lot of our training is, is a little bit proactive in don't put the dog in a situation where it may fail. Uh, as they get a little bit older, we like them to make their own decisions and things like that. But as a pup or an eight-week-old puppy, I have to sort of be on the ball as well to say, I'm not going to do this because I don't think an eight-week-old puppy is ready for that situation yet. And then as they get a little older, I want to put them in the situation because I want to see how they're going to react. So around people or around kids or around cats or distractions, I actually want to see if they're going to be successful at that or not. And that tells me that I need to work harder on that behavior or spend more time around cats or more time at the mall or whatever it happens to be that they need practice at. So that's my job is to get them to that year and a half to two years 
Um, and then after that, I hand them off and start again. It's too bad you can't see that we have a little 11 week old puppy at my feet right here right now. And she's trying to entertain herself because she's not at the point now where she can sit for a, an hour and a half or two hours while I talk. So she's trying to entertain herself by chewing on any stick or whatever she can find because she says it might be good for you to talk, but it's kind of boring as an 11 week old puppy to listen to you talk. So. <laughs> That was Mike Egger, a volunteer from PADS. Next up is another Accessible Airways member, Mina, interviewing Victoria. She is a senior instructor with Dogs with Wings. They talk about guide dogs and service dogs. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you coming all the way from Edmonton to do an interview with me. And we're really excited to have you here today. Well, thank you for having us. We're very excited to be here as well. Thank you. So I guess before we get started, if you could tell our listeners um, what you do at Dogs with Wings and a little bit about yourself. Awesome. So my name is Veronica, and I'm a senior instructor at Dogs with Wings. So that means I train and place all of our service dogs with our clients. So I work with the dogs when they're about 20 months and older, and then I do the matching, placement, and aftercare with our clients. That's great. So my first question I have for you is, how did the organization first get started? So the organization got started 23 years ago in Edmonton with our founder, Elisa, and she started as a guide dog school. So we still do our guide dogs today, but we've also expanded to four other programs. And how did the um, name Dogs with Wings uh, originate from? So we changed our name about 10 years ago. We used to be the Western Guide Dog Foundation. Uh, we changed it to be Dogs with Wings because we now service five different programs with a range of disabilities. And so we felt that our clients were given wings to go out into the world with their dogs. So that's how we came up with Dogs with Wings. That's excellent. And how long does it take to train a dog? Uh, we breed all of our own dogs, and we get them from a breeding cooperative in North America. So we start our puppies of training at three days old, and it takes us two years, so approximately when about 24 months when they get placed. That's excellent. And... Can you tell me a little bit the different types of dogs you train? So our first program is guide dogs. So that is for people who are visually impaired. So they must be blind. So those are the most typical dogs you'll see. They'll be the ones that are in a harness. Then we have our service dogs. So those are people with physical disabilities. They're usually in a wheelchair um, from cerebral palsy, a spinal cord injury, or MS. Then we have our autism service dogs. So those are for children with autism from the ages of 3 to 10. And the dog works in a three-part system with a guardian, parent, or and then the child and the dog. Our next program is our facility dog program, and that is where uh, we partner with a professional in healthcare, victim services, schools, and a variety of different professions, and the dog works with the person in their place of employment. And then our final program is our companion dog program, and that is for anybody with a disability that needs help from a dog in their home. That's great. How do you know which dogs will make good guide dogs or autism support dogs? So we start them at three days old and then they spend a year to 16 months in our puppy program. And from there, they're just learning basic obedience socialization. Uh, and then after that, we start to do testing on them to see if they're more naturally gifted at. So our guide dogs who are general like pullers and leaders on their leash, they kind of go into the guide dog stream. So around that 16 month is what we do. And then our autism dogs are looking for like calm dogs. And then for our... Other programs, like our service dog program, we're looking for dogs with a high drive to work, wanting to pick things up, pressing buttons. So we really listen to the dog and see what they are more naturally liking to do. That's great. 
And what kind of difference um, guide dogs and service dogs you provide for people? So we provide dogs that we only train ourselves. So we don't do any outside dogs. So we don't train people's dogs to become service dogs or guide dogs, but we do mostly Labradors. And then it's just for our five programs that we talked about. Awesome. And what are some things that the public should know about seeing a service dog and guide dog since it might draw some attention when they see a dog in public? So the first thing you should always know about a service dog or a working dog in any capacity is that they are working. Um, Distracting them by talking to them, wanting to pet them, making eye contact really pulls them off their task. Uh, It can be quite devastating for any of our clients. Say somebody who is in a wheelchair and their dog, they need their dog to pick up or open a pick something up or open a door and you're sitting there going, oh, what a cute puppy, and the dog is looking at you, can be very hard, as well as even just pulling to go say hi to you and our guide dog clients, they can be pulled off so much off course that they're now lost and disorientated. So always remember to talk to the person if you're ever interested in it, but keeping your distance and the dog is working. That's good. And what are some other things people should know about good guide dog and service dog etiquette? Uh, The most thing is always talk to the person. Uh, The person is using the dog as their partner. So talking to them and engaging with them is the most important thing. Never talk to the dog unless you're given permission. Sounds good. Uh, Another thing I would like to know is, is there any open houses that the public can come see your dog throughout Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton? We only have our open houses in Edmonton currently right now. We usually have one in the spring and one in the fall. So if you watch on our social media pages, we will announce when our next um, open house is. That's great. Uh, Another thing that we wanted to know is I've heard, and I don't know if it's true, but if you see a guide dog or service dog and it's all alone, does that indicate that the owner is in distress in some way and that somebody should follow it if a guide or service dog is by itself? Definitely. If you definitely see a dog in like a guide dog harness or a service dog vest and they're seeking out towards people and they're not with their handler, something is definitely wrong. Some of our service dogs are trained to go to a person and nudge them and then you're supposed to follow them back to their person. That's great. I also know that we were talking a little bit about volunteering. Is there certain ways that the public can get involved with volunteering? There's a lot of ways that public can get involved with volunteering. So we are uh, not government funded. So we are all through donations and through our fundraising team. And so with that, all of our dogs need to be raised through people. Uh, We don't use a kennel system. So our dogs here in Calgary, we have a puppy program down here. We always need puppy raisers and boarding homes. So that means that people can donate their year to raising a puppy with us and they attend puppy classes as well as we have boarding homes that don't have such as a big commitment but take the dog on weekends and sometimes evenings and things like that that's great well thank you so much for coming in today is there any final words you would like to say to our listeners about dogs with wings thank you guys so much for having us and if you ever see a service dog remember not to touch talk or give it eye contact as well as always search us up on the internet thank you so much Rena just interviewed Veronica. She is a senior instructor with Dogs with Wings. They talked about guide dogs and service dogs. Thanks for tuning in to Accessible Airways on CGSW 9.9. You can find us on Facebook. Give us a like. If you missed any latest episodes, you can catch us on CGSW.com, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Hope you tune in for next month's episode on CGSW 90.9 FM.